Good evening, it's the Snake River Lib, and welcome. This will be the first Lib podcast on the Snake River Lib Facebook page. Uh, welcome. If this is this is how you found it, this is going to be the, the, the Facebook page will be the exclusive home of the Lib podcast. Although it will, of course, be at Anchor and all of your favorite podcasting places. Um, the blog, uh, the Snake River Lib blog, will also be located there. When I choose to use it, I will put the link up as well for the blog. Um, all things political for Phil, that's where it's all going. Um, moving that all off of my personal Facebook page, a lot better place for you to uh, go and take a look at what I'm thinking and such. So let's move on, shall we? Um, most of the podcasts, I think I'm going to be talking about the future of the grand old party. Uh, the reason I mention that, uh, is because, uh, you know, if, two weeks ago, you would have heard a lot of people, a lot of, uh, people in, in, uh, um, influential places, talking about the need of a third party. In fact, uh, the Lib itself has, has talked about that and how this election may be, and the fallout from this election may be the impetus uh, to begin a new third party to, to get away from uh, the uh, swamp-dwelling GOP. But that'll be the last part of the podcast today. So that's something for you to look forward to. By the way, thank you for listening. Uh, go to the Facebook page, Snake River Lib, like that if you like, share it if you like as well. So, uh, just a few news items to uh, cover and talk about uh, before we get to that uh, piece at the end. First of all, uh, Senator Rand Paul, and of course, for those that listen or read the Lib, you know that I can't say enough about Rand Paul. Um, in the 2016 primaries, he was my candidate. Um he has always been a beacon of light uh, during, uh, before, before the Trump administration, during the Tea Party time, during the Obama administration. Uh, he has been consistent the whole time. And even during the Trump administration, he pointed out that the Republicans in Congress that are spending like crazy, that they owe President Obama an apology. Uh, because, you know, they called out President Obama for spending like crazy, and yet they're spending ten times worse than he ever dreamed of. But Senator Paul today, uh, as a point of order, uh, uh, brought up the constitutionality of the upcoming impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump in the Senate. Now, I did just a, a, a status on my uh, personal Facebook page to just briefly state what I said there. I think that if President Biden truly wanted to unite the country, that what he would do is grant an unconditional pardon to President Trump. It would end this impeachment farce, which, by the way, President Biden himself has said that there's not enough votes to convict. Um, so we're, we're wasting the Senate's time uh, dealing with an impeachment, uh, that w a trial that will never end, or will never end the way the Democrats want it to. Justice Roberts, uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, has said he's not a sitting president. 
Um, the chief justice doesn't preside unless it's a sitting president, so he's not doing it. And so what do they do? They have old uh, uh, Senator Depends, uh, Patrick Leahy. By the way, he's called that because, not because of a physiological condition, but because he uh, leaked some very, very critical information when he was on the Senate Intelligence Committee and got thrown off that committee for that leak. That would never happen today, by the way. Um, and so Rush has frequently called him Senator, it depends, and that's whenever I think of Senator Leahy, that's what I think about. Of course, we wish him a re speedy recovery, but as President Pro Tem, meaning he's the senior senator of the majority party, being that he is the president pro tem, he is going to be presiding over the impeachment trial of President Trump. However, we wish him a speedy recovery. He went to the hospital today uh, to have some tests. He was having some issues. We hope for his recovery. Um, and the Democrats double hope for his recovery as the person that would appoint his replacement uh, in Vermont, the governor, is a Republican. So, and I guarantee you that that is what the Democrats are thinking. So, Patrick Leahy could be dead, and they wouldn't, as long as they wouldn't let any Republicans close enough to check a pulse, they're not going to uh, let anyone check that. Anyway, the point of order, um, whether it's constitutional or not, 45 uh, senators of the Republican Party stood up and said that it was not constitutional to um, impeach a former president or rather, properly stated, a private citizen. Forty-five senators. Now, as a reminder, it takes two-thirds of the Senate to convict. Senators Paul, Senator Paul's address to the Senate, which was mostly just broadcast in front of an empty chamber, however, it was very powerful, and he named a lot of names of people who have stated things that people got hurt for, or could be read to incite. And that's the key word here. Because in reality, President Trump, when he gave his speech, that is supposedly the single count of the indictment, or of the impeachment, he told them to proceed peacefully and patriotically over to the Capitol. There's no way that you could get incitement out of that. And here I've taken so much long, so much time on that. Of course, the five uh, uh, members of the Republican Party that refused to uphold their oath to the Constitution, uh, Mitt Romney of Utah, Lisa Murkowski of uh, Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine, and... Um, Boy, I think uh, one of them, I can't think of his name, is uh, 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 Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. And I'm pretty sure there was one more. One, two, three, four. 
yeah, there was another one. I can't think of them. That's all right. They did decided to put their put partisan politics or swamp politics over their oath of uh, to the Constitution. Um, anyway, forty five senators voted that it was unconstitutional to hold the trial. Moving on from that quickly because I spent way too much time on it. Um, federal judge has put a stay on uh, President Biden's deportation order for two weeks, said that an executive order cannot override immigration law. Funny how that works, because that is absolutely true. By the way, expect a judge at some point to rule similarly in regards to the border fence. Um... Finally, H.R. 1, and we'll talk about this more in a future time. H.R. 1, um, coming out of the House, it's it's a scary, scary, scary bill. It, it removes any kind of ballot integrity. Uh, you cannot ask for ID when you're registering. You cannot ask for ID when you're uh, asking for a, a, an absentee ballot. Um, it is going to shoot the integrity of the electoral process all to crap. And that's just breaking the ice. But like I said, we're going to dig into that in a future time. So we're going to be right back, and we'll spend the rest of the time talking about the future of the Republican Party. So good morning, and we're back here at the Lib. Um, it is the morning of the 27th, and as promised, we're going to talk about the future of the Republican Party. Now, you might ask yourself, if you're a libertarian, what do you care about the Republican Party? Well, first of all, yes, I am a libertarian, but that's with a little L. Um, I have had membership in the Libertarian Party. Um, and depending on what happens, I may yet have future membership in the Libertarian Party as well. But for now, I'm just a small-L Libertarian. Um, I read a book one time uh, by uh, Charles C.W. Cook that was entitled, entitled Conservatarian, and what it was is a hybrid of a conservative, you know, conservative, who's walked away from the, the swamp. Well, he didn't refer to it as a swamp, but a lot of the, particularly the neocon uh, policies of the Republican Party. And so he referred to it as a conservatarian. Um, I think that that would actually probably be a pretty accurate description of me. However, uh, I, I am pro-life. And so with that affiliation, I do keep that. But some of the best libertarians ever, uh, Ron Paul, uh, um, Rand Paul, are all pro-life. Um, and so, you know, that's a good place to be. I mean, it's that argument comes down to is, is whether or not the child has rights or not, the unborn child. And so libertarians are all going to differ on that. But the small elb. So why do I care about the Republican Party and whether or not it cracks up? Because if it cracks up, um, then the right side, meaning the political right, is going to be delegated to minority status for, for probably a good while. Now, 
why is it going to crack up? Well, Liz Cheney, who's the conference chair uh, for the House Republicans, at least for now, uh, she's been censored by her state party uh, for having supported uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump and having voted for it. You know, if she would have just voted for it, quietly voted for it, that would have been one thing. It, I personally think, yes, if, if she felt that strongly about it, what she should have done is she should have resigned her position and she should have voted for it. But what happened is she broadcast that she was going to vote for the impeachment and her words were used um, in what passed for impeachment hearings in the House um, as a show of bipartisanship because the leader, the conference chair of the Republicans, supported the impeachment. To me, that's what she did wrong. Um, if Republicans do that, then I think that, that their party is dead. There's a lot of Trump voters out there. Um, a lot of Trump voters that, that, that went to the Trump, to the Republican Party, not because of the Republican politics necessarily, although they support the general idea of lower taxes, of uh, self-reliance, uh, individualism, those kind of things. Um, and, of course, the personality of Donald Trump as well. Um, but not exclusively that. Because even Donald Trump has signaled, no, he's not going to go form his own party, even though he said that to begin with. He's forming the office of the former president, which I just love, because what that says is he's no longer going, he's not going to do like presidents in the past, with the exception of Barack Hussein Obama. Mm -mm -mm. That's how Rush refers to him. Um, You know, President Obama was really the first president to immediately start to critique his, uh, the one that came after, which was, you know, he didn't give him a chance. I mean, George Bush, Obama said terrible things about him. Bush never said a word. Um... I don't think that Trump is going to be quiet on this. But also, Trump's also said that he's going to work on election integrity, which is sorely needed. If you listen to the last podcast, uh, understand why. If you haven't, you should go listen to it. I talk about why it may have not been necessarily fraud, as in cheating the system, although there's no question that there was that, so much as it was a fraud on the legal system. But that's, that's something you have to go listen to because I want to talk about the party. Now, the 74, 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump, we don't need to be reprogrammed. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say we because I actually voted for Joe Jorgensen. Um, they don't need to be reprogrammed. They don't need to be reeducated. They don't need to be sent to a camp. 
But I guarantee you that Mitch McConnell votes for conviction as the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. I think that there's going to be a lot of anger towards the Republican Party, and I'm not sure that the Republican Party actually rides that one out. It's possible because, you know, you know who are you going to vote for in two years? And are you willing to be in the minority? Are you willing? I mean, because here's the thing, and this is so important. I think McConnell wanted to be in the minority. I don't think that he tried at all to win the election, the runoff in Georgia, for either of those seats. I mean, they made they talked about it, you know, and such. And, and you know, you get the emails, Mitch McConnell does this, that, or the other. But I don't think that they cared if they were in the majority. I mean, they already had their 50 seats, so... At best, they're only a minority because of the vice president. He already knows that that on some issues that he's going to struggle to even bring 50 votes against, you know, common sense, but left of center um, policy. You know, because you've got those five that could care less about the Constitution Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, although Susan Collins, excuse her, because she's from Maine and she's got to deal with those people. You know, you know, it's not the same as, you know, running in Utah or Alaska. That's really disappointing about Romney. The fact that I voted for him in 2012 and supported him in 2008. That's just really disappointing. It's the establishment Republican Party that can determine its own fate. Between now and 2022, and we'll know fairly quickly with the impeachment trial, we already know in the House, 10 Republicans in the House voted to impeach. What will, what will be meaningful is what happens in the Senate. Because I suspect a lot of these people will be primaried. And we'll see who owns the Republican Party after 2022, going into the 2024 presidential election. Whether it's uh, Cocaine Mitch, or whether it's the likes of uh, Matt Gates and Jim Jordan of the House, or Ted Cruz or Rand Paul in the Senate. It's the Snake River Lib. Remember, go ahead to the page, Snake River Lib. Like it if you want. Share the podcast if you want. Comment if you like there. All politics all the time on the Lib. 
have a good night or morning. It's morning technically, but most people consider it nighttime. And we'll talk at you another time. We'll see you around.